This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Oh, I, excuse me. I need to back up here, Nicole. What? I forgot to introduce you as the award-winning Nicole Cleggett <laughs> with Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. I, I, it's a little joke, but not really, Nicole. You want a big time award this past week. Yes, thank you so much. It was actually quite an honor. Um, uh, Mayor uh, Nancy McFarlane awarded me with a, an award in radio for my work around um, persons with disabilities and older adults. And so she gave me a media award at a luncheon this week. So that was very, very touching. And you know, quite a surprise. I didn't know that was coming, and so that was that was pretty awesome. Well, it's very well deserved because you do a, a heck of a lot of work, um, not just in the radio world, uh, in uh, everywhere in media and everything you do with transitions, guiding lights, and transitions life care. So it's a very well deserved award, and we're we're extremely lucky to have you here uh, involved with WPTF. So um, congratulations! Nicole. Thank you so much. And uh, you're still standing after the uh, caregiver wow. summit in Raleigh. This and week. that was yeah, I'm telling you. This has been some kind of a week. It was. Uh, it, yeah. So, yeah, we had our um, 10th anniversary caregiver summit in Raleigh. We were literally bursting at the seams with over 500 attendees, and it was just a tremendous day. And we actually added something new as a surprise this year. We brought my gosh, it must have been 10 or 15 therapy dogs to oh, the wow. event. And so people just, after lunch, they got a chance to pet the animals and just lifted everyone's spirits even more. So it was it was a phenomenal event. It was a great capstone uh, to our work. And uh, we do have one more coming up, though. The one we had to postpone because of Hurricane Florence in Harnett County, and that one's going to be on December 12th. So if you missed the grand event uh, this past week, we'd love to have you come on out to that one. Yep, you can find more information at Caregivers Summit dot org again uh, just a tremendous event and uh, if you want to get to the harnet one please head over to caregiversummit.org well nicole veterans day is next week and i know transitions does a whole lot of work when it comes to uh, helping out our veterans and you've brought in a familiar face here to help us talk about some uh, some events that you guys have going on we, we sure do um and you know veterans day is particularly dear to my heart not only is my father a vietnam veteran but my husband is actually a gulf war veteran and so it's it's really awesome, I think, what Transitions Life Care does to honor the veterans in in our community. So I have with me today Mark Philbrick, and he is the Director of Education and Volunteer Services for Transitions Life Care. And they have a tremendous number of events going on in the next few days, as well as an ongoing pro- program called We Honor Veterans. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Pleased to be here. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of why Transitions Life Care made the decision to really spend time honoring veterans and and talk to us a little bit about some of the programs that are coming up in the coming week. Sure. Well, we uh, obviously work with the folks who are in the final stages of life and in hospice nationally, about one in four hospice patients is a veteran. Wow. There's uh, 18.5 million veterans now nationwide, uh, and we know that about 1,800 veterans die every day. Wow. Still about 1,000 World War II veterans are dying every day, 
and less than half a million of them are still surviving out of 12 million that served. Wow. In addition, we have our uh, Korean War veterans Mm -hmm. who are now in their late 70s, early 80s, and um, Vietnam veterans, Mm -hmm. the largest segment of veterans, and as you mentioned, even the Gulf War veterans, Mm -hmm. that we uh, have a million and a five and a half million Gulf War veterans that are still early Mm -hmm. um, in their their lives, but (laughs) uh, there's a lot there in making sure we honor, remember, and celebrate the lives of these people. And many of them have never been thanked for their service. So talk to us a little bit about the the Veterans Day programs that you have going around the community. Well, every Veterans Day, we do ceremonies in multiple locations. This year, we have um, our veteran volunteers who are honoring veterans at eight different locations. Uh, We're going to be in Clayton, Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, and Durham. Okay. Um, these ceremonies bring together people in uh, assisted living and skilled nursing facilities. We have an honoring ceremony, a candle lighting ceremony, and we present certificates of appreciation for their service and have a time of remembrance for those who are no longer with them. So it's a pretty big deal. It is. For sure. We uh, honor about 500 veterans through these ceremonies every year now. Wow. So I had a really big week last week, and you're going to have a really big week coming up this week for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) So I know that you also have a program that you participate in called We Honor Veterans, and that's more of a one-on-one type of a ceremony, correct? Talk to us a little bit about that and and kind of what that means to folks that participate. We um, have a ceremony that we've created that we do at the bedside mm-hmm. or in a family's home for honoring the veterans. Our um, organization has trained veterans themselves to go and honor other veterans. So okay. it's a veteran-to-veteran honoring ceremony. We have a certificate of appreciation. Uh, we bring the family together and have a time before they pass away to um, pin the person with an American flag. Mm-hmm. We read uh, a certificate of appreciation and also it's an opportunity for these veterans to share stories mm-hmm. that sometimes the families have never heard mm-hmm. and do you find that that happens a lot during these ceremonies it really does and um what is also interesting to see how sometimes the the children and the grandchildren have heard these stories for the first time mm-hmm. and inspires them to go in look further into the service of their loved one so are you finding that sort of as the World War II veterans um, sort of age out of, you know, the, the group and you're finding the people that are, you know, that had served in some of the wars that had a little less, um, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, they didn't come home as heroes necessarily. Are you finding that these ceremonies kind of take on a different tone or is it basically the same? We do find that. Um Particularly with the Vietnam veterans, mm-hmm. many of them who were drafted into service, mm-hmm. um, the protests that went on the, around the countries when they came back, mm-hmm. um, we have heard many of them say this is the first time someone has actually acknowledged and thanked them mm-hmm. for their service. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that is seeing how uh, some of those veterans don't want to be recognized, um, that it's up to the family to talk to their loved one, that some of them just want their service to be behind them. Mm-hmm. Well, I know my own husband, you know, he served and um, he was a uh, Navy nuclear engineer and was on the maiden voyage for the USS George Washington. And when people thank him for his service, he's like, this is like awkward. He, you know, when people ask, are you a veteran? He's just, yeah, well, thank you for your service. And he just, he never knows how to respond to that. Just always feels awkward 
weird to him. And do you kind of find that sometimes that's what's going on with them? That, that sometimes happens. Yes, definitely. For sure. So, um, so if somebody wanted to get involved in that We Honors Veterans program, do they need to be somebody that is kind of sort of on your service, or if people are hearing about this and they want their loved one honored, is that something they can access in a different way? Every person who's admitted onto our hospice service is asked whether they were a veteran, mm-hmm. um, and if they were serving somehow in our country as a military member, then they get a call from one of our veteran volunteers mm-hmm. introducing what the ceremony and recognition involves, mm-hmm. and they're offered an opportunity for our people to come by their home or nursing home or assisted living facility to honor them. So if folks want to potentially participate in some of these ceremonies in the community, the larger ones that you have coming up this week, are, is the community at large allowed to attend any of these? Or are these just uh, They are, as far as uh, we know, the, each facility mm-hmm. has their own visiting rules, but most of these are open to the public. So these are in um, skilled and assisted living facilities, and we often see families are invited and guests and mm-hmm. people within that community are there to help recognize these veterans as well. That's pretty awesome. It certainly is. Uh, Mark Philbrick, Director of Education and Volunteer Services. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at Transitions Life Care. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest this evening is Mark Philbrick. He's the Director of Education and Volunteer Services. And, Nicole, we, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about um, services that Transitions offers for veterans and some events going on as well. But uh, we need to focus on uh, another portion of Mark's title, and that is uh, with Director of Volunteer Services. So uh, I know that there's there's plenty to do at Transitions when it comes to volunteering, and yeah. there's a, 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 a long history there as well. There is. You know, if for those listening to the previous segment, you heard him kind of allude to, we have our veterans volunteers call the families. And so, yes, veterans are super important for Transitions Life Care, as well as for Transitions Guiding Lights for that matter. But I don't know if people necessarily realize that the origins of hospice was really volunteer-based. That's right. Um, our organization started as hospice of wake county in 1979 so Mm -hmm. we're entering our 40th year of service to the community and it was a completely volunteer organization to begin with dr dunlap our founder hired his first nurse a part-time person Mm -hmm. Um, but between 1979 and 1986 it was almost completely based on the volunteers and this was part of a national movement to offer end-of-life services to people But it wasn't until 1986 that Medicare began providing reimbursement for the services that gave us the funding to bring in other people. A payer source was found. (laughs) Exactly. And then that could grow by hiring more professional staff, nurses, doctors, social workers to uh, continue the work and grow it. So volunteerism, though, is still at the core of hospice services, correct? Absolutely. In fact, hospice is the only medicare program that requires the involvement of volunteers so we must continue to bring volunteers into the organization at least five percent of our clinical hours has to be provided through 
volunteers. And how many volunteers does Transitions Life Care have approximately? Currently, we're over 420 volunteers. And how many employees? We have 524 employees. So it's almost a one-to-one ratio. Yes. I mean, that's amazing. It's continued to grow. I started with Transitions Life Care Hospice of Wake County at the time 11 years ago. We had 150 employees and 150 volunteers, and now it's just, more than tripled. So you have a you have a huge hat you're wearing. It's a covering. lot of moving parts. <laughs> I can only imagine. So um, I know you know a lot of people after they go through a hospice experience with their family members are often deeply touched by that experience and all that it was, and you know, oftentimes wishing that they engaged in hospice sooner. And sometimes people look at that experience and say, "Gee, I, I've really been moved so much that I want to figure out how I can get connected." So what are some of the types of things that hospice volunteers actually do for an organization such as Transitions Life Care? Well, we have two major categories of volunteers. A first category is called family service volunteers. These are people who have access and uh, exposure directly to patients and their families. Could be that they serve by going into the home and uh, sitting with a uh, patient while the family can go grocery shopping or mm-hmm. get out and get some time away from the patient situation. So respite. Respite is one of the major things that our family service volunteers do. Uh, they also provide practical support. So we have mm-hmm. some that will drive patients to appointments if they can still walk. We have people who will help do light housekeeping and clean up around the house. Uh, we have people that serve in a lot of practical ways mm-hmm. for these families. And then as far as, um, I've also often heard of things such as like vigil volunteers. What exactly is that? That's a special category of family service volunteers who we train. They get additional training to be able to be with that family for the last uh, hours of life. Mm. So when our nurses or social workers identify that someone's entering the active dying phase, that last day of life, having somebody just to sit and vigil with that patient and that family is an extra layer of support that we provide. It's often scary for families. It, a lot of times people haven't actually been there ever to see a, a person pass away, and they just don't know what to expect. I know when my own uh, father-in-law passed away, um, you know, the hospice organization brought in a visual volunteer just to sort of be there mm-hmm. because um, they just wanted to be that extra support. And I think that's particularly helpful for, for family members who have never experienced that end-of-life process, for sure. Yeah, and, and in my own case, I got involved in hospice after my dad and my brother both got cancer at the same time in 2004 and i had been a nurse for 30 years and never worked with hospice patients before so i was my father's caregiver 24 hours a day for three months and that family service volunteer who came sat with my dad they would watch movies share stories um gave me an opportunity to go out and take a hike in the woods to clear my head mm-hmm. just to have some time to myself to sort of recharge and mm-hmm. refocus mm-hmm. and it was really one of the key things that helped get me through the hospice journey i think one of the, the things that we're so blessed in this area is that a lot of people really have giving hearts a lot of people want to feel like they're giving back to the community and so for folks who maybe are a little bit nervous about being around a person who's has a terminal diagnosis they feel like they don't have a skill set i know there are other types of volunteering opportunities such as administrative work mm-hmm. things of that nature correct yes that's the other category in addition to family service volunteers we call them office volunteers mm-hmm. or administrative volunteers And we have needs in the office, everything from helping file and organize paperwork. We have a group of volunteers that every month come to do our grief mailings. We do over 3,000 pieces of grief support mail a month, and they help uh, organize 
uh, package and distribute those mailings. We also have receptionists who are in our hospice home. Mm -hmm. It takes about 80 volunteers a month to staff all the extra services of greeting people and escorting people in our hospice home. It's a seven-day-a-week job. Even work at the caregiver summits that we talked about at the top of the show. I mean, we need people helping out the day of for those as well. So there are lots of opportunities. So if folks wanted to find out, you know, more about becoming a volunteer, um, how do they do that and what is the process? The There's simplest ways to go on our website, transitionslifecare.org, and there's a button for volunteer opportunities. We have an online application they fill out. We also have monthly information sessions. So the first step is for them to fill out an application, attend one of our evening or afternoon information sessions to learn more details. And once they um, complete that, then there's an interview process and then an orientation and training process. I know you had a, a, a longstanding volunteer, um, David White, for many, yes. many years, who's recently passed. And he is was actually the impetus of the Caregiver Summits that we've just celebrated our 10th anniversary. And he dared to ask the question, what if we did something to support family caregivers especially? And so we actually gave him a tribute this week at the Caregiver Summits, just recognized him and his idea and how much an idea from a volunteer can grow. So volunteers are certainly at the heart of the matter for uh, Transitions Life Care, for, for sure. Yeah, David was a special volunteer. Um, he was also a, a Korean War veteran. Mm-hmm. He had been a tank captain in the Korean War. Oh, wow. And was a big um, supporter of our We Honor Veterans program. He mm-hmm. attended a lot of the ceremonies, was one of our first volunteers. And uh, I told David on more than one occasion, he used to email me jokes, and that um, <laughs> it was a good thing he was a volunteer because most of his jokes I would have had to fire him if he had been an employee. <laughs> Well, he had a good sense of humor. He, sure did. he, he was in the service, right? <laughs> Some of that never dies, <laughs> for sure. Well, I really appreciate you being here today with us. Thank you so much. Again, it's Mark Philbrick, Director of Education and Volunteer Services at Transitions Life Care. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. And if you would like to volunteer with Transitions Life Care, you can follow Mark's instructions by going to the transitionslifecare.org website and clicking on the volunteer button and filling out that application. And I'm sure Mark and uh, his crew will be very quick to get in contact with you. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you. A service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Clagan, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with you. Good Saturday evening to you. And Nicole Cleggett joins us as well, representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. You are all the hats, Nicole. I mean, you've got you've got all the titles. I you've got you all what, the responsibilities. I'm trying to compete with our friends at UNC and Duke have extremely, they have like a business card's worth of titles. So now I'm just going to keep adding on to mine. How does that sound? Slowly but surely you're getting that there. That makes me feel important. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you are important. And, and we've got an important topic tonight. We're going to be talking a lot about home care. And yeah. I guess let's start with what is 
home care. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and uh, you know, in a prior life, I did work in the home care business some, so I know enough to be dangerous. And I'm so I'm super excited. We actually have a couple of guests here today that are going to be talking to us about what home care is, but also some really important topics about how people can age safely in the home without slips, trips, and falls, as well as um, really the importance of decreasing social isolation for older adults. And I think in both of those instances, private duty in-home care provides a very important role to make sure um, our older adults are aging safely and happily. So welcome, Ken. We have Ken Hilmuth here. He is the president and owner of Right at Home in Durham. North Carolina. Super excited to have him here. You've had this uh, business for several near years now, and I'm sorry we've never had you on. <laughs> well, it's great to be here. So thank you, Nicole. Yeah, yeah glad great. to have you here. So how long ago did you become the owner of Right at Home? Well, great. And thanks again, yeah. Nicole, for having uh, me here today. My name's Ken Helmuth. I'm the owner of uh, Right at Home in Durham and Chapel Hill. Um, it's been four and a half years. Has it? And I can't believe it's been that long. And you're I only still have, married. I am. I, <laughs> and I only have one title. Unlike you. No, I've, no, I've, you have two. It's president oh, and right, owner. Right, so there's right, two there. Right. So I've accomplished something. You saying. have. Okay. You have. Well, yeah. great. So um, so you own a private duty in-home care company. And for our listeners, you know, sometimes I think we get a little bit confused about kind of what we call what in this area. And, and home care is one of those terms that are it's frequently referred Referred to many different things. Sometimes people refer to it as anything that we provide in the home. So that could be anything from hospice care to palliative care to durable medical equipment to home health. But we're specifically talking about private duty in-home care. What exactly is that? That is a great question. And you're right. There's a lot of confusion yeah. a lot of times. You know, it's interesting, though. We do touch almost all aspects of what you said. Yeah. Um, but the biggest difference between what home care is and what home health provides is is the the level of uh, uh, skill per se mm-hmm. that, that's required or or it might be required by a physician mm-hmm. that needs to re, uh, provide a prescription mm-hmm. for home health right and that, that would include something like physical therapy or occupational therapy or where a registered nurse would be required whereas so in, that is not what you that do that is not what we do okay and we provide in-home support that's provided by a caregiver that might be a nurse aide one or, or even a home health aide that provides really anything from as simple as companionship, uh, transportation, uh, all the way to total care. In other words, helping with hygiene and, and uh, anything to keep that person safe in the home mm-hmm. and also keep their dignity and independence while they try to age in place. So I often like to think about home care like this, um, where home health is more uh, restorative. So Mm -hmm. we are trying to assist that person to make physical gains to get them to where they were at before. And typically, home health is paid for by Medicare, private insurances, whereas private duty in-home care is what we would consider more custodial. So this is more maintenance care. And while you might work hand-in-hand with a home health if a person's receiving that restorative care, this is really where you get into the the, the length of care. You know, with home health, somebody comes in, you know, physical therapist might come in for an hour or three times a week, and you might get a home health aide in for 30 minutes to give a bath or an hour to give a bath. But the private duty in home care is something that can be provided for a few hours a day to up to 24 hours a day, correct? That is correct. So, And we help support mm-hmm. what 
doesn't uh, get supported by by the home health company. So you're right. It is, mm-hmm. it is maybe only an hour here, an hour there, but two or three times a week, whereas we can come in for periods of time mm-hmm. to help add that support that, a, that an older adult might need to, to remain um, at home and have the ability to remain independent at, at home. But sitting here as a myth buster, I'm going to tell everybody listening on the flip side of this, this is not something that Medicare pays for. Absolutely and there's a lot not. of confusion about that. People get confused and they really think when they take mom home from the hospital, Medicare is going to pay for that private duty in-home care 24-7. And then much to their surprise, they have to figure a different way to pay for that. And so there are many different ways that home care can be paid for depending upon the agency you're working with. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So, yeah, there, there are different uh, resources that can be utilized. Uh, first, a lot, of, a lot of the clients that we work with pay privately. So out right? of pocket. Out of pocket. Mm-hmm. It, they've saved their money. They've had the ability to put themselves in a position to do that sort or of thing. Or family members pool or money family together. Members, mm-hmm. you know, we have lots of clients that, uh, that have five, six, seven children, mm-hmm. and they, they get very involved in, in, in the care for their, their loved one. Uh, but there's also, you know, veterans benefits that can help uh, pay for this sort of thing. Long-term care insurance. So this isn't Blue Cross Blue Shield. This is not Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> and it I've been on not. the phone with people adamant that Blue Cross and Blue Shield is going to pay for this. Right. <laughs> this and is not. You will find it very rare mm-hmm. that uh, a third-party insurance uh, mm-hmm. payer would pay for something like this. Okay. Are there any other ways that this could potentially get paid for? Medicaid? And Medicaid will cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to qualify for Medicaid, mm-hmm. uh, similar to like the a VA. veteran, like mm-hmm. a veteran's uh, uh, quali- qualifying for that kind of care. There's not a lot of other options outside of, uh, of, uh, of this. Now, or the, uh, the social service mm-hmm. uh, group will sometimes support some uh, in-home care mm-hmm. as well as uh, potentially uh, some of the other um, nonprofit uh, agencies mm-hmm. across town. So one of the things that I often think about when I think about private duty in-home care is a lot of times I don't feel like you get the recognition you deserve by being really the eyes and ears for that family um, in that healthcare situation because these caregivers that are in the home for lengths of time, three, four, or five hours a day, up to 24 hours a day, you're often the ones that really see those very small changes that can lead to really big issues down the road. So I often think about the private duty home care company as, almost in a way the air traffic controller when you say you touch on many of those different aspects a lot of times that home care agency is sitting there in the home while home health is coming in while hospice is coming in while the durable medical equipment is coming they may even be the ones bringing the person to the doctor i mean do you often find that you know your caregivers are really the ones that have a pulse on what's going on with that individual Absolutely. And in fact, um, it's an extension of the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, so our caregivers in many cases uh, know more about what's going on mm-hmm. because they're spending more time with that loved one than, than even a family member. And so absolutely make a huge impact on, um, on, on, on clients that we work with that, uh, that, uh, that maybe have out of, out of town Family members can't can't do that sort of thing. But you're right. Uh, going to doctor's appointments, taking them out uh, for social events, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing uh, is is a big part of what we do. I think that's fabulous. Now I'm going to ask a, a question that we ask on every show. We make all of our guests uncomfortable with this question, but people often have no idea what this type of service costs. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about that, and also what people need to consider when they're trying to choose an agency because the reality of it is cheapest isn't always best when you think about 
this is care you're looking for for your loved one. So there are sometimes some pitfalls if you're trying to look for the cheapest options too. Sure, and, and you're right. I mean, <laughs> you get what you pay for, huh? That's right. It's, uh, it's a little bit that way. I mean, and there are so many. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are 300 agencies in the in the triangle mm-hmm. that provide Huge. that are licensed. Right, right, right. That are licensed in the triangle that provide. And there's some that run out of their trunks too. That, that is right, <laughs> or wherever they yeah, might yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so so it is important to consider really a lot of different aspects of it. But uh, I mean, you're going to find anywhere between twenty dollars an hour to mm-hmm. To even up to almost thirty dollars an hour, I've seen. Uh, so that range is is pretty pretty broad. But there are a lot of things to consider. You know, whether it's licensed agency, whether you know they're they're employees mm-hmm. or or they're a ten ninety nine employee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of training they provide to their uh, to their uh, to their uh, employees. And so there's a lot to consider. Um, it's a very deeply personal. Sure thing is. That making that connection. I mean, this is this is we're sending strangers into people's homes. For so. sure. Yeah, it's a multifaceted decision that you have to make, and unfortunately, a lot of folks don't have a whole lot of time to uh, make that decision. We've got Ken Helmuth here in the studio. He is the president and owner of Right at Home in Home Care and Assistance. We'll continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. A service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Want to remind you that you can find more information about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. We've got Ken Helmuth here in the studio. He is with right at home in home care and assistance and nicole we were just talking about uh the the multi-facets of uh decision making that that goes into uh getting in home care and the cost but you know i, I think a lot of things a, a lot of times when people think of in home care it's it's the safety factor mm-hmm. that's huge for sure and so you know a lot of older adults I think sometimes get placed into long-term communities a little bit before their time because the reality of it is is maybe all that they need is assistance with a shower a couple times a week, assistance with some of their clothing adjustments, uh, medication reminders, and some of these things. You know, if you if you start adding them up, that really re- results in if they're not doing them properly, um, a real safety hazard, either physically, mentally, um, and, and then on top of that, you know. Gosh, if I think about my home on a day-to-day basis with all the kids that I have inside of it, it's, it's a it's a wonder I don't fall down the stairs half the time. I mean, there's a there's a baseball cleat over here, and then there's a pile of dishes over there with some jelly that fell on the floor, and God only knows what's going on. And yeah, wow. So don't come in my house today. We just started school, and life's a little bit of a ruckus right now, but... Um, for older adults, you know, we get into the habits of doing certain things uh, throughout our entire lives. And then as we age, we just continue to do them. And we're not really thinking about the fact that our physical limit, there are physical limitations now and things really start to creep up on us. So I would love some of your insight, Ken, on some of the things that folks need to look out for to decrease the risks of slips, trips and falls, because we all know a fall in the home is really the leading cause to an older adult going into the hospital and then really going Going down that slippery slope of ending up probably placed a little bit before their time. 
Uh, absolutely, Nicole, and, and uh, a great lead-in into an, a very important topic, uh, something that we deal with uh, from the beginning mm-hmm. of when we go into uh, a client's home mm-hmm. and assess the not situation. Only, not, not only them physically, yeah. but also their environment. Episodes yeah. of Hoarders Much? <laughs> We've seen that. I bet we have. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, that uh, absolutely. And, and not everybody's baseline uh, stays the same as they get a little bit. Right, old. right. No different than I used to be able to dunk a basketball. Can't they, do that there, anymore? There is no possibility no, of me oh, dunking come a basketball. On. Well, they've got some time. special shoes and springs in them now. You might I, be. I could <laughs> maybe off a trampoline try to jump, dunk a basketball at this time if I could even get the rim. But anyway, all that to say, you know, <clears throat> as uh, uh, Americans age, mm-hmm. about a third of them are going to have a fall every year mm-hmm. over over age sixty five. I literally and, almost and, fell up the stairs myself today, <laughs> so I know. Right, and 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 and, uh, and about seventy uh, percent of those falls that happen in the home happen in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so, when you start introducing uh, water mm-hmm. and different things in in a tight quarters area like mm-hmm. that, or if you're trying to get dressed in the in the in the restroom, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, you know, that increases the propensity for for a fall. I mean, there are so many different things. It's not the fall that really gets you; it's the complications that mm-hmm. come from or that. laying on the floor or afterwards. Laying, yeah, that's right, yeah. and or hitting your head and maybe being unconscious or whatever it is. So, a lot of what we do is assess that situation, try to put the the older adult in the best situation possible. Mm-hmm. So, if it is just for a couple of hours a week or for or, or a day. For, for a shower or to help them get dressed and ready for the day or whatever it is that helps maybe prop them up just a little bit so mm-hmm. that they can remain safe at home. That's what we try to do. That sounds great. So let's talk about some of those pitfalls. You know, you mentioned the bathroom as a, as a primary example. When you're going in the home, what are some of the things that your nurse is looking for when they're assessing the bathroom? And what are some quick fixes that folks listening to the show might want to consider today to help their loved one not fall? This, yeah. this evening, <laughs> yeah, and, and not everything involves uh, all these huge renovations, uh, uh, right? Like a twenty thousand dollar redo of but the bathroom. But I want one of those showers, sure those rain do. showers. Yeah, yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, my wife would like to redo every uh, <laughs> room in the house. But anyway, uh, some of those things that we look at uh, are really just the the type of uh, of shower and mm-hmm. or bathtub, and is there a big step mm-hmm. uh, that they need to step over? Is there room in in there? Uh, are there grab bars? Are there can you get in there easily and, and maneuver and have a place to, to secure your, you know, the, uh, your, your safety as you're standing there? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, is there enough room around the toilet? Is mm-hmm. it raised, a raised toilet seat? Is there enough lighting? I mean, a lot of times if it's at nighttime and there's not a lot of lighting in mm-hmm. the room, you know, it's so much easier to, to misstep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are the kind of things that we look for. That's an easy fix. I mean, a, a new nightlight or just mm-hmm. better lighting or a grab bar that doesn't cost you know thousands of dollars right that's not that's not that hard of a fix to make and or even a shower bench a shower bench instead of having to to uh to stand in the shower which is going to just uh, and where you can lose your balance a little bit uh you know that's an easy fix uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of the older adults that we work with and we try to put them in that better situation let's talk a minute about throw rugs now i'm going to tell you what <laughs> My grandmother has, I don't know about you, Jason, if you have family members, they have throw rugs everywhere. I mean, it is just insane. Throw rugs on top of throw rugs. In well, some well but, but seriously, it got to the point when my mother-in-law, I thought, okay, now I know she's getting older because she has this rug and she does not like cleaning the rug. So she puts bath mats on top of the rug <laughs> so that she then just has to throw the bat mat, bath mat in the washer and I get it, but 
I mean, I'm, I would trip up on those things. So, sure. I mean, I think throw rugs are a huge issue, correct? Yeah. They're usually. How do we get people over that? <laughs> I have not so, found the, the tricky so, statement on so that. So it's one hard. <laughs> it is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think, you know, if, uh, if there is a risk mm-hmm. and, and there are things, uh, whether there's clutter mm-hmm. or whether it's a, uh, a rug or if it, maybe they can tape it down. I mean, depending on, you know, we might recommend sometimes mm-hmm. to tape down mm-hmm. the, the corners yep. so that it's, it's less apt to cause somebody to trip over it. But ultimately, uh, if there are lots of them mm-hmm. and there there's a difference in the elevation, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to fall. And we will try to, to recommend to take those up. It is a difficult conversation, I can promise you, well, every time. Well, there's yeah. even a more difficult conversation. We're probably going to get hate mail at the studio now. <laughs> so sorry about that, Jason, because I won't be here to collect it. I'm going to save it all up for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a huge tripping hazard that the people don't think about is Fido and Garfield. <laughs> And you're never going to convince people to get rid of Fido and Garfield, but, no. but, but seriously, I mean, pets usually lay right there at your feet. And so, you know, from what I, and then of course you have a larger animal that's more, um, hyper, I guess, because it's not being exercised because mom and dad can't exercise it as often and they jump up on mom or dad. I mean, they can knock them over as well. So I do know that there are some, you know, home care agencies. I don't know if yours is one of them that kind of adds, you know, helping to take care of that pet as part of what they do. And people don't consider that sometimes, but it's going to be really hard to get mom or dad to give up the animal. But if you can provide some support and training to that animal that can be helpful as well. No, that's a good point, and uh, don't ever ask my wife and I to give up our dogs. Exactly, big problem. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a problem. So Oscar wouldn't like that. Um, uh, but no, you know, we run into that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and, and we help support it the best way we can. Um, what does that mean? That means that uh, that some of our uh, our caregivers are allergic to either cats or dogs, so we, we would never put that one put in there. Yeah, course. but I mean, we're there to help support mm-hmm. the uh, the person the best way. So if that means helping them walk the dog or letting mm-hmm. the dog out or whatever it is, you know, we're going to try to do that as uh, best we can. I will tell you one other thing that happens a lot is not just the dog running uh, around. What else? But it's the uh, if you are walking the dog. Oh, the leash. Got the leash. Well, that's and a the big leash problem. can be yeah. dangerous. I know. Uh, really, because it can get caught around. And, you know, if there's another animal around, oh, they, they get, get excited. excited and yep. They're jumping around. So uh, that, that kind of thing uh, can be really dangerous. So one quick other thing uh, that you think people should look out for um, to, to decrease tripping and slipping hazards in the home. If you could name one more thing, what would it be? Clutter. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it is, and not, and believe me, I you know, um, in the home is everything you've ever accumulated. Well, everything right? too, because mobility so, decreases, so everything right. needs to be within reach in right. the mind of the older right. adult. That, that's right. And so, but you know, it's hard to get rid of some of those things, and and uh, you know, it's just maybe organizing it mm-hmm. a little bit differently, or getting some outside help to help organize yes. it if that person's feeling super attached. Yeah. We've got Ken Hellemuth here in the studio. He's president and owner of Right at Home In-Home Care and Assistance. Ken, how can people get a hold of you if they're uh, in need of some in-home care? Very good. Um, Easily. So we have a website. Uh, The best way is just to Google Right at Home of Durham, but it is www.rahdch.com. That stands for Right at Home Durham Chapel Hill. Again, it's www.rahdch.com. 
And as you said earlier, you can just Google right at home Durham Chapel Hill, and that'll yeah. bring you up right right to the top of Google Absolutely. there. Well, Ken, thank you again so much for joining us again. He's Ken Helm Youth with Right at Home in Home Care and Assistance. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We'll hope you do it again next week. This has been Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.